When my girls were real little, this was my favorite chair. I loved to hold them in this chair, to rock them in this chair, to be able to cuddle them in this chair. I loved to see their big blue eyes open up as we were able to connect with each other. I loved to feed them in this chair. Uh, I loved to watch them actually fall asleep in this chair. I, I loved just being a dad in this chair. And they stole my heart uh, in this chair. But looking back, even though there were many joys, there were also some elephants that were in the room. Uh, the time of being in this chair is actually some of the most joy-filled time that we have as a parent. But also, there can be some definite elephants as I look back on that as well. And that's what I want to talk about today. What are the elephants in the nursery room? Now, the first elephant in the nursery room is this. Parenting requires a great deal of sacrifice. Parenting requires a great deal of sacrifice. Uh, First of all, it takes a lot of economic sacrifice. So what I'd like you to do just for a moment to uh, look at the person beside you, wake them up if they fell asleep, okay? And those of you that are on the stream, uh, if there's someone in the room with you, uh, look at them. And what I'd like you to do is try to guess exactly um, how much money does it take to raise a child from birth to age 17, okay? So go ahead, try to figure out that number. From birth to age 17, how much does it cost to raise a child? Okay, so here is the number. Uh, According to the federal government, this is how much it costs. $284,570. Some of you are like, could I actually sell them for that? You know, like that's how much it costs for me to uh, raise them. But could I sell them? No, I don't think they're worth that much. But uh, no matter who you are, when you look at raising a child, there is this huge cost to it. But there's not just a financial cost in raising a child, but there also is a huge cost when it comes to your time. I mean, being a good parent requires a boatload of time that you're actually spending in this chair and you're spending with the child. I mean, a good parent spends a lot of time and they realize that there is this huge kind of degree of selflessness that you actually put the child before yourself and you live a selfless venture. I mean, you simply kind of make a commitment in which you say, I'm willing to give up huge chunks of my freedom and I'm completely ready to pour my life into the life of another human being so that this little baby girl or this little boy will know throughout their life that they are irrationally loved, they are totally accepted, and they are wanted by me every single day 
of their lives. I mean, it is a high stakes, folks, for you to know the cost of raising a child. I mean, the truth is, folks, it's, it's a lot different than raising a puppy. I mean, when it comes to a puppy, uh, you can take the puppy home, and if you don't really like the puppy that much, you can actually put an ad out on, uh, you know, social media that says something like this, free to a good home. And you can just leave that puppy there, and eventually that puppy will be given to a good home. But you can't do that quite with kids, can you? You can't put your child on social media and say, free to a good home. Uh, it's a little bit more difficult, right, to, to be able to do that. Although some of you would like to try it, right? Uh, they, there might not be that many takers. Um, let me just kind of share this as well. And it's this. Not every single person is called to be a parent. Not every single person is called to be a parent. I know there are many of you who are single or you're married without children and you are using your time to invest here in the church or you're using your time to invest in other ministries in significant ways. You're pouring your life maybe into nieces or nephews or, uh, you know, friends of kids or someone else. You, you're giving your life away for that. And I'm always amazed when I see single people who, even though they don't have children, they choose to actually invest in other kids. Uh, for us, uh, when our girls, uh, even before they were born, uh, there was a single uh, person in our life. Her name is Jen. And uh, Jen made a commitment early on that she was going to be the adoptive aunt of any of our kids. And so she was actually in the waiting room praying uh, for Jennifer before Jennifer delivered our two kids and was praying for them that they would impact the world in a great way. And uh, both of uh, our kids have actually called her aunt the whole time. Now, they weren't able to say Jennifer, so they called her Aunt Pfeffer, okay? And uh, that's just how it came out. And so she's been Aunt Pfeffer this whole time. And she goes to their activities. Uh, they're always getting better birthday presents from her than us. And uh, Christmas gifts and all that kind of stuff. But the thing that she consistently did more than anything else was she poured into their lives and invested in them. And Jen has been such a wonderful support both to them and to our family. And for some of you, maybe that's what God is asking you to do in this time. That as a single person or as married people without children, to pour in the life of a young family. Well, parenting really does take a great deal of sacrifice. And most parents do this because they want their kids to be right. But in doing so, one of the things that we have to realize is that being a parent, also sometimes we're very fearful. Sometimes we're simply afraid. And I remember sitting in a rocking chair similar to this when I would hold my two girls and there would just be these questions that would come to mind. Would I be a good enough dad? Would, did I have what it takes? 
Would I mess them up in some huge way? And it was in those times that I was sitting in this rocking chair that I would pour out my fears to God. And as I poured them out, I would listen to Scripture too that would give me strength and remind me that I wasn't alone. And maybe one of the greatest Scriptures that was given to me during this time was in Philippians chapter 4. And it says this, Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns before you know it. A sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. It is wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry from the center of your life. You know, for some of you, maybe you're sitting there today and you're thinking to yourself, oh man, it's something on parenting and and I don't have kids or I'm a grandparent now and I don't invest that much. But the truth is, folks, is worry goes beyond parenting. And for some of you, maybe that's what you needed to hear today, that Jesus really does long to displace the worry in your life. And if you're a parent, it's essential for you to know that because it's true. And he captures your heart and he'll give you peace and he'll give you strength and he'll give you a sense of wisdom if you give your worries to him. In fact, scripture says, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Now, when you're sitting in this chair and you're sharing your Worries, that's one of the times that we talk in this chair about certain things. But there's something else that we tend to talk in that chair as well, and that is dreams. The dreams that we have for our children or our grandchildren. The things we want them to do to succeed and and to do big things. But let me just say this to you. Whether your child is this small or your child is an adult... The key is to simply let them be them. Let them choose their dreams. Let them choose the God-given dreams that he has for them. Dreams that he wants. So if you have a little extroverted kind of leader, then help that little girl who's an extroverted leader to use her gifts. And if on the other way, you have kind of an introverted Lego-making kind of engineer, then let that little introvert use their gifts and shape their life the way that they want. Because the reality is, the elephant in the room that often happens when we're actually in this chair is when it centers around dreams. And parents can be tempted to make their kids' dreams their own dreams. And that's second, the second kind of elephant in the room, that we can be tempted to make our kids' dreams our dreams. Parents, let your kids dream the big God-given dreams that they have. You know, when I uh, first started uh, the jar with a group of people, one of the ways that I decided we would kind of reach out is by actually uh, being involved in youth sports. 
So with all of the youth sports, I just tried to do my best. Now, I wasn't great at all of these coaching them, but uh, I knew a little bit about basketball, less about t-ball, and I knew absolutely nothing about soccer. But uh, we did the best that we could. But the thing I learned more than sports itself was I learned about parents. I mean, parents at sporting events sometimes can just be nuts. I mean, absolutely off of the wall. I remember going to a baseball game one time, uh, and I was coaching the team, and I put this little guy, he was seven years old, uh, as a catcher behind the plate. And when you're seven years old, it's kind of a struggle to maybe actually be able to catch every ball. And, of course, when he got down, the ball came in, it went straight through his legs and to the backstop. But he ran back to the backstop, picked it up, threw it to second base, and actually threw out the guy who was running from first. Now, you would have thought the loudest voice would have been the roar of everybody who was in the stands, but the only voice you heard was his father that was yelling out loud, you got to get in front of the ball. Don't let the ball go through your legs. And you saw this little kid just drooping down more and more and more as his dad had actually taken life out of him. And then after the game, I'll never forget this. I'm walking out and he has his son on the ground doing push-ups, seven years old, and telling him, you've got to get stronger. You've got to get stronger. So I just walked back to the dugout. I picked up a bat, went over to that man, hit him on the head. Said, you feeling strong now, big boy? No, I didn't really say that. No, I didn't do that. But I did have some words for the dad, and he wasn't happy. But, you know, I just kept on thinking, I wonder what that little boy is doing now. He's in his 20s now. And I wonder what he's going through in his life. That he goes through his day always thinking to himself, my dad's self-esteem and his love for me is based upon my performance. You know, some of you may have had parents like that. You may have actually had parents that it was based on your performance. Don't pass that on to your kids. Don't pass that on to your grandkids. Choose today. To say that I will let them dream God's dreams for their life rather than trying to place something on them. It's unfair for any child to go through life trying to enhance a parent's self-esteem. So often parents are trying to live through their kids nowadays rather than choosing to allow God to live through them and for them to move in the God dreams that he has for them. I mean, our kids' success, folks, is not based so much on what their eye step is or what their GPA is or how many touchdowns they score or how many goals they score or how pretty and petite and beautiful they can become. But ultimately, it's not so much about what they do as it is who they become. It's not what they do, but it's ultimately who they become in Christ. You know, both of my daughters have 
have been at different award ceremonies where things have been talked about them and accolades given to them and awards provided for them. But every single time I'm at one of those things and people come up and they say, oh, you know, uh, you have such an amazing daughter. That's great. That's great. I always in the back of my mind, I'm always thinking to myself, I don't care what they do. I'm more concerned with who they become. That they would be people who honor God. That they would be people who love like Jesus loves. And honestly, folks, that's my greatest dream for my two girls. Now, if you have kids, you should regularly be sitting with them and talking with them about what are the scriptures that talk about honoring God about living a big dreamed life in which you honor God. You might sit in this chair and actually look at a passage like Proverbs chapter 3. It reads this way. My child, forget the thi- never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart, for they will give you a long and satisfying life. Never let loyalty and kindness get away from you. Wear them like a necklace. Write them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor with God and people, and you will gain a good reputation. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will direct your paths. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Seek His will, and He will direct your paths. That's the dream that I have for my 13-year-old and 11-year-old. So much more than what they ever do occupationally, my desire is that they would walk through their life honoring God and seeking Him in all that they do. Well, one last elephant in the room, especially when it comes to parents who are in the rocking chair, who are in the nursery kind of time of year, and it's this, is that parents must be there. Parents must choose to be there every time. You've got to be in the chair in the nursery years. A couple of years ago, a a friend of mine named Eric uh, had two children that were kind of in that nursery year time of life, and his business that he was a part of, he was in sales, was going up and up and up and up to the right, and he was making tons of money, but what he found with sales is that as he made more money, they were asking him to leave the house more and more. So it started out with being a week gone from his family and then two weeks and then three weeks. And eventually it was almost an entire month he wouldn't see his family Monday through Friday. And as we were sitting down for lunch one day, I looked at Eric and I said, well, how's that going? And he said, to be honest, it's not going that great. And I said, well, why not? And he said, well, the other day my youngest son, Mason, came up to me and he simply asked me, Dad, are you leaving us again? 
And as Mason started to tear up, Eric said, I've got to do something to change this. I've got to choose to be in the chair. And so he made a huge risk. He resigned from his job. He went to trying to find another job, which was difficult, but he did find one. But it was going to require him to leave Muncie, which he was a phenomenal leader, and we didn't want him to leave, and they're wonderful people. But we wanted what was best for his family, and so they left Muncie. They had to sell two houses. He had to commute four hours a day for a period of time to be able to do this. But he said, Chris, I will do whatever it takes to be able to be at home with my family in the evening and that I can actually choose to be in the chair and to be a part of their lives. I'm telling you folks, If you had to line up all the little Masons in the world and you were to ask them, would you rather live in a big home and have tons of presents and gifts around you and stuff and not have your family or not have your parents there? Or you could live in a much smaller home and have your parents there every single night I guarantee every little mason would choose the latter. That they would rather have mom and dad present than all of the gifts. In fact, it kind of comes down to this. They would pick their parents' presence over receiving their parents' presence. It's all about being present with them rather than giving the presence. Folks, this commitment to be there, it starts very early in a child's life. You have to make the commitment early on. And if you're like, man, I haven't done it, it's not too late. You can start now. And that's why we have to sit in a chair like this one right here and be able to believe and read and own Proverbs 4.11, which says this, I will be here. I will be here to teach you wisdom's ways. I will be here to lead you in straight paths. You simply say that today I'm making a commitment to be here for you. And if you're a grandparent, one of the things you can do is like, hey, I didn't do that quite right with my kids, but I want to do that now with my grandkids. It's funny, my my dad was not around many of the events for me growing up as a kid, but now... With the grandkids, he's there all the time. Yesterday, he's at a soccer game and he's yelling. He's starting to become one of those parents. And I'm like, Dad, you got to chill, you know. But he just wants to be a part of everything to be there. And when you're there, you give irrational amounts of love. And you accept them. And you Let them know that they are wanted by you every day. And when you see them doing things that are right, you heap praise after praise after praise upon them. And when you do that, it reminds them that mom and dad's just not with me because they have to be with me. But mom and dad are actually for me. Now I, thought the, I, now, I thought this message would be a little bit more complete if we actually talked to someone 
who gave birth to a child in 2020, and they're dealing with the nursery right now. And we have several different people in the church that uh, will be or have already delivered babies in this kind of chaotic year. And so last week, I sat down with Sarah Schaefer and talked with her a little bit about the sense of sacrificing time, but dreaming dreams and instilling values in her little baby boy. And so I'd like you to go ahead and check this. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for sharing a part of your story of being a mom during this kind of nursery parenting time. And I know you received an amazing gift this year on March 12th as August was born or as you call him Gus. And I just kind of wondered if you could share a little bit about kind of the joy of what it's been to be a parent. There are so many wonderful things about a new baby. It's not all easy, of course, but what we've really found in Gus is that he's just got the sweetest spirit. He is just a sweet little boy. And uh, we've gotten to spend some really special time together. It. We went from a family of three with our eight-year-old daughter, and so eight years and the newborn, that's a big difference. But I think in that age difference, she's really gotten to um, experience what it's like to be a big sister. Like, she's always going to remember this. And uh, getting to see Zoe become a big sister has been amazing. And just to have Gus and to bring him into the world and to have him be a part of our family, it's like our family is finally complete. Well, 2020 has been chaotic. Like there's been no year like it. I can't even imagine what it's like to be a mom during this time. And so what are some of the struggles that you've kind of sensed in having a baby during this time? So uh, some of the struggles are struggles that every parent has you know the first several weeks several months sleeping is hard um, figuring out new patterns figuring out personalities all that stuff is tough so that is like universal every parent has that struggle Uh, but COVID's been tough it's been really tough Um, the kind of the scary thing about right now is um, not knowing if your baby who has like no immune system is going to get sick and uh, being scared that it will be brought home. On the flip side of that, if not for COVID, we never would have gotten five months to be together as a family without interruption. And I think that has been one of our biggest blessings. Now, of course, we haven't even gotten to see all of our family because of because of COVID, and that's been really rough. And grandparents have only been over a few times. Uh, so I know that that is really tough for them, and, and, I, and I feel for that. But I'm thankful for the time that we've had together. Well, there's no doubt that every single parent has dreams for their kids. Um, you know, one of the things we talked about today was we want to see uh, God's dreams for our kids. What are kind of the different things that you want to instill into his life. I've thought a lot about that and what I just I really want him to just stay sweet. Like he has such a gentle sweet spirit. Like he's always observing and watching everyone else and just so full of joy. And I feel like when we get older we start to lose that. 
And I just don't want that for him. I want him to stay sweet. I want him to be a man who is compassionate, who fights for others, um, who can feel his feelings and just be a person of love, of character. I don't care what he does for a job. I don't don't care who he is as long as he is a good man. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for sharing your story. It's such a blessing to have Waylon and Zoe and little Gus uh, in our church family. I want you to know that uh, we are with you and for you, just like we are with and for all of you moms and dads that are in this nursery time of parenting. And we love you. but that they're God dreams and not our own. And that we're making a commitment to be there, to actually be in this chair and to be not only with the person, not only to be with the child, but to be for the child as well. So this week, I have a little homework assignment for you, whether you're a parent or a potential parent, or a grandparent, or a single parent with another single parent, or you can talk about it in your small group. And here is the first kind of question. What is the one concept that challenged you the most in the teaching today, and why? And so if you can kind of take that and and look at that, that would be great. And then a second question is this. What is one lesson from the teaching today that you will implement into your parenting role. You see, folks, this would be my greatest desire for every parent and grandparent uh, and single parent and maybe soon-to-be parent is that this week you would actually look up to the God of heaven and say, God, I want you in my parenting role. And if you do that, Your heavenly father says that he will actually walk and stand right beside you and help you as you walk in to the rest of this week. I pray that you would do that so that God's name would be made great. Let's pray. Well, God, we know that uh, for those of us that are parents, that raising kids is not always easy. Whether they're nursery-sized kids, as we talked about today, or they're adult kids, it can be difficult. And so we ask today, God, that you would give your wisdom to each of us, to every parent, grandparent, friend, as we do our best to try and parent the children that you placed in our path. Heavenly Father, I pray specifically today for young parents. For those that just have little ones and they're tired and they're worn out and they're needing some strength from you. God, would you place your strength and your peace and your love into their life. 
give them the ability to know how to raise their children with God-given dreams and to pour on praise into them. And God, for those who are maybe uh, single or they're married without kids, God, would you place a young family in their path? Maybe right now, God, they would just have an image of a young mom or a young dad that they could invest and work in just like Aunt Pfeffer has been able to do that for us. God bless all of the kids that are in Jar Kids. Allow their lives to be honorable and focused in on loving Jesus and loving other people the way that He would have them to. Help them, God, to impact this world in a great way so that Your name would be made great. Now maybe for some of you right now, the truth is is that you've never really ever asked God to parent you. You've always just kind of done things on your own. You've done your own kind of thing. And in the midst of doing that, you've realized more and more that things just aren't working out the way that you thought they would. And so today, maybe what your kind of call, the thing that God's asking you to do in this teaching on the nursery is not so much about the parenting side, but for you to actually look to your Heavenly Father and to say, Heavenly Father, would you become my parent? Would you become the one who guides me and directs me and forgives me and loves me and lets me know that I'm never alone, that you're always with me, that you're always for me? And if that's you today... Or if that's you here in the auditorium, wherever you're at, that you would just call out to your Heavenly Father and say, God, I need you in my life. I need your Son, Jesus, in my life. Jesus, I need your forgiveness. I need your love. I need your grace in my life. And if that's you, if you're making that commitment for the very first time, I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And it's not a prayer that you have to pray by yourself, but it's a a prayer that we pray together. Uh, It goes beyond the stream that we would pray and repeat after this in community. And so I simply invite all of us to simply repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. I believe you died, Jesus. And rose again so I could live with you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, if you said that prayer for the very first time on the live stream, uh, if you would, just go ahead to that raise hand button and one of our hosts would love to be able to connect with you. If you'd like prayer for anything, they'd love to pray for you as well. 
If you said that prayer for the first time here in the auditorium, before you leave at the guest connection table, there is a place for you to uh, get a free gift. We have a gift for you uh, just to encourage you in your walk. If you'd like prayer for anything, in the left-hand corner, uh, my left, your right, down here at the bottom, there's someone there that would love to pray for you and encourage you. Uh, In just a little bit, we're going to uh, escort you by Rose, and you'll go out uh, to keep you safe. And uh, once you are out there, you'll go buy a couple of boxes. Uh, that Connect card, if you'd like to serve, we'd love for you to serve. And just connect that blue box, a great way for you to grow in your walk. And also, if you'd like to financially give, there's a place in that box to do that as well. Now, next week, I just want you to know, we're going to talk about the elephant in the bedroom. Okay? So we're actually going to talk about S. E-X, okay? Now, I don't know if we can say that in church, okay? But we're going to talk about sex next week. It is PG-13, so remember that with your kids. Uh, Some of you guys are like, dude, I'm inviting all my guys at work to come, you know. Uh, But come, we'd love for you to be a part of that. And this week, as you walk through your week, if you're a parent or a grandparent, I pray that in a great way, you would be able to say, Lord, I place my children, my grandchildren into your hands and that he would give you the strength to walk with him through this week. Have a great week, everybody, and uh, know that you're loved in this place. Thanks.